is. From high sticking to breaking down the middle. Here's the lowdown with Low Tide on, on Sports, Sports 1440. Presented by Wolf GMC Buick. We're making it easy. WolfGMCBuick.com. Welcome to the lowdown on Sports 1440. Hi, it's Alan Mitchell along with Declan Kruger. Today's show, the Edmonton Oilers are rolling and the good news seems to be endless. Calvin Pickard's strong performance, giving everybody something to talk about. James Hamlin saving the fourth line. The McDavid line, absolute fire. Oh my, this is fun. Are you still mad at McDavid for controlling the team and hiring all his friends? Oh, wait a minute, maybe not. Which he didn't do, by the way. Sports1440.ca, iHeartRadio, Radio Player Canada. Text or call 1-833-401-1440. That's 1-833-401-1440. On Twitter, at Low Tide and at Declan Kruger. The lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick, corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. Hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. Ask for details, plus get up to $4,000 in Christmas cash. Wolf GMC Buick. Our guest today, Jason Greger, will join us. We'll have Mama MMA with Declan. Rachel Dory from Staff and Grab Podcast. Some interesting questions for her about the Edmonton Orders, specifically with regard to... Leon Dreisaitl's recent deployment under the new coach and Calvin Pickard and what he may mean to any recall of Jack Campbell. We'll talk to uh, Rachel about that. Bill Schmeed from 97.3 The Game, uh, the Packer radio station, will talk to us about the Green Bay Packers and their 6-6 six and six record, a chance to go 7-6. and six. Are they in? You know, I mean, Minnesota scored three points yesterday and won a game, perhaps. We'll talk about McDavid, Pickard, Hamblin, Holloway, NFL Weekend, and more. First, though, I need to give a, a really big shout-out. I had a great time Saturday night. Uh, we all went, well, we all, some of us went to the Bend Lounge, and we were there to do an auction in which I gave away a book, and we gave away one hour to guest host this particular show, and damned if it isn't some guy you know. Jeff Jess was the winner. Congratulations to Jeff. My old dentist. Mm-hmm. Everything comes full circle. What are the chances? My old dentist is the one who's going to be Did you complain us. to him about Mrs. Andrews? Will we be talking about that when, when he's here? No, I definitely... Maybe I never, he married Mrs. Andrews' daughter. I don't think so. I, I know he didn't, actually, for a fact. Okay, I um, can tell you that I said to him, I said, you'll see Declan, and he said, good, I should give him a checkup, and I'll bring my tools, and if I have to do any, like, a... Po- Pull a tooth or whatever. I would just do it there. I would love that. Oh, and I said, that's great radio. That's great content. Mm. I would do that in a heartbeat. No, I'm looking forward to see him. That's awesome. And congratulations yeah. to him. Well, he said nice things about you, so I, I don't know that he knows you, but we'll find out. <laughs> well, I'm a little different in the dentist chair. You know, Maybe. I'm kind of reserved, laid back, <laughs> not saying much. Now, we don't have a date. I told him it was wide open, and he told me his schedule. As you know, dentists are very busy. They work 24-7 Monday through Sunday. He's going to have to slide piece somebody out of the chair so he can come in and join us. But he said he had to, He can't do this on the telephone. We need to talk to him. Um, and I want to talk to him about... Um, I, I, I've actually had friends who are dentists in my life, and they're, they're very funny people. Uh, it's a very high-stress job, though. So we're hoping that Jeff will come here and enjoy himself. I want to thank Tanya, uh, Scott Palmer, Carlos, Wills, Chris Hardy, former CFL player. 12 years in the league, invented Instagram, but he forgot to follow through and register it and and cost him a little bit of dough, but he doesn't mind. There was uh, Layla, Mike, Daryl, Jim McCulley from Callaway Golf, probably going to end up on the show. 
<laughs> it was madness. It was a lot of fun, and I want to thank everybody at the Bend Lounge. Uh, Joaquin Gage came by, and thanks to Sherry for covering the dumbass media guy who walked out on his bill. I didn't mean to. I just, you know, I was having fun, and I had a beer, and then I had a bunch of pops because I wasn't drinking. And then at the end, it was so much farther past what I had done that I just walked out on it. So, you know, have you ever done that? Uh, no. No, no, okay. no. I, ha- right. I haven't. Not even, like, not intentionally. Never when I was, like, a broke 16-year-old with my friends because we thought it was funny, which it's not, by the way. But no, never done that. Yeah. Well, I did, and uh, but they were first class about it, as you would imagine. So it's all good, and life, life is back to normal. No arrests. Nobody's after me. I don't think I said anything that's uh, litigious. So I think we're moving on. But it was a good time. I want to thank the Ben Law. I would go there again. It's a nice place. Joaquin Gage says that he's there, like he said, every fourth or fifth Saturday. But it sounded like, based on everybody going, Joaquin, when he came in, that he's there a lot more often than that. I mean, I think he's there all the time. I don't want to tell anything out of, like, probably he's saying to his family, I'm going for a walk, and he ends up there. But I don't want to say that out loud. Good to see him again. So remember when everybody was mad that Connor McDavid was hiring his friends? And then I said, well, maybe it's just the owner trying to get, you know, to secure the guy he needs to get a contract from in a couple of years and making sure that, you know, he's doing the right thing. You know, Bill Torrey, one of the smartest general managers in history, he did that so Dennis Potvin would sign with the Islanders. He traded for Jean Potvin, who was a very chaotic defenseman, but he, he, he made the bet that it would increase the odds that he'd sign there. I think that's what Daryl Cates did, but there was a lot of anger for Connor McDavid, and McDavid pushed back. He rarely does, but he did in this particular instance. As it turns out, looks like so far, things are going pretty well. And I want to talk to you today, and I'd love to get your input, one 401 This will likely end up in an article in the next while. But how much credit are you going to give to Chris Knobloch? Because Woodcroft, I think we all agree, was a good coach. He had some injury issues with McDavid and you know, at Matias Ekholm and Ryan McLeod, the goalies weren't stopping a lot. But let's give Knobloch some credit here. He he has um, helped the penalty kill. The, the defense has settled down, and maybe you want to credit Paul Coffey or Mark Stewart, but it's settled down under his watch, under Knobloch's watch. They're 10-3 and three in their last 13 games, of which 12 of them are with Knobloch. They're, to me, they're looking... So structured and so sound. And they won a game where Knobloch said, yeah, Calvin Pickard is going to start. And they beat New Jersey. And he played well. We're going to ask Rachel Dory about what that might mean to Jack Campbell. But what does it mean to Calvin Pickard? So how much credit? And he's also, I think, I wrote about it in, in my article today at the, at the Low Tide, that it seems like, it's too early to tell for sure, but it seems like defensive zone starts, like face-offs, are, are using Leon Dreisaitl and his line and Darnell Nurse and that pairing more often. We're going to ask Rachel Dory about that. Also, how long, how long before we can call it a trend? That's, I'm always interested in what really smart people like Rachel think because it seems like everybody agrees about that at the beginning and then people lose that part of it, that aspect of it, when they start arguing. You know, remember last year when Ryan McLeod looked, looked pretty damn good and there was the thought that maybe he should be matched up against Eichel. It was a very small sample size, and I asked everybody that I knew, and I didn't really get an answer 
except that it was trending that way. And I get it. I understand. But, like, are, are you really going to come down hard on the coach for that? Well, that's what happened to Woodcroft over the summer. He got hammered on that stuff. What, what, is, what is reasonable? Let's be reasonable. Math folks used to be that way, and now it's sort of hit and miss. Everybody's got their own Bible, you know, analytically. And I, 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 think we, I think when you do that, you lessen the impact of what math can do for you. It's Tower of Babel right now. In terms of publicly available analytics, I'm sure that lots of teams, like the Washington Capitals, who apparently are close to signing Ethan Bear, they know their stuff. That's going to be a good signing for them. It's, it's, it isn't going to cost a ton. They do need the help, and he'll be a plug-and-play. I think he'll do well. I hope he thrives. Calvin Pickard was was really good, I thought. And I thought Stuart Skinner was good, although uh, he let in a, at least one that you'd like to have back. But then he made a great late save on Friday. And now the orders, like, you don't have to look at the standings yet, but I will tell you that they are in the range now. If they continue to play well here, the, the panic is gone. Now you just have to keep on rolling. You cannot have a seven-game losing streak. You can't go two, nine, and one again. But they're getting there. Hamlin has been a re- revelation. That fourth line's outplaying the third line. I don't know if anybody wants to say it, but they should. The the Hamlin Ryan Gagne line is outplaying the McLeod Fogel Yanmark line. Where would you put Holloway? I I've been thinking about this. I wrote in the Athletic today about Holloway and Broberg and Olivier Rodrigue, guys who you know are kind of pushing. They're sort of saying, "Well, I'm available here." And if Pickard can play in the NHL, maybe I'm not saying Rodriguez gets called up and played a lot, but maybe you audition him later in the year when you have a little bit of room. Maybe you have a look at the guy because that might inform the new general manager about how he wants to move forward. Something to talk about today. The NFL weekend, everybody, whenever the Eagles play poorly or lose a game like they did last night, Dallas had that game won by halftime. People go, well, how about your Eagles? Now, look. The Eagles, I was an Eagles fan when Roman Gabriel was the quarterback. When I, all I wanted was for the team to be on TV and to watch Harold Carmichael catch seven balls and see if he could hurdle a cornerback. That was it. I didn't expect to win, not ever. And then they got better. You know, they went to a Super Bowl under Dick Vermeil with Jaws Jaworski at quarterback. And then they had some great quarterbacks. I mean, oh my God, they had Randall Cunningham, great quarterback. Donovan McNabb, they got to another Super Bowl. And then, you know, they won a Super Bowl. So I've been paid in full by the Eagles. If they never win another game this year, which they will because they're playing the Giants twice. Hey, is Danny Dimes signed yet? Because that's a guy they got to get under contract in New York. He signed an extension last year. Four okay. years, $160 million, $40 million a year. Well, it's, he's worth more than that, clearly. They're so good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, they're good contracts. Then there are bad contracts, and then there's 50 feet of doo-doo, and then there's what Daniel Jones' contract looks to be right now. So we'll okay. see how it plays out. But The Jets' quarterback in situation or the Giants' quarterback situation? Which do you like better? Oh, that's tough. I think I like – I think Daniel Jones is better. He's hurt also. I think he's better, but I think that contract is just going to be unjustifiable. And Zach Wilson, listen, he had a 300-yard game this past weekend. Yeah, but weekend what did Namath say about him? No, and Namath is right. He's not very good. They're going to move on from him. I would rather have the Giants quarterback situation, but it's a rock and a hard place. Jacob Vrana on waivers. I, I mean, he's he's scored like bunches of goals. He scored 10 goals in 20 games with St. Louis a year ago, but he's got two this year in 19 games, and he makes $5.25 million. He is on waivers today. Now, that means he'll be have to clear tomorrow. I don't think anybody will pick him up. 
it's one of those contracts where, you know, you can you can send him down, and I don't think anybody is going to take him. Rana is not on waivers now, according to Elliot Friedman. If I would just read my timeline, I'd know that. Elliot Friedman reporting Rana not on waivers, but Boris Kuchuk in Chicago and Dmitry Samarukov in Pittsburgh are on waivers. Rana has been available for trade. We will see if St. Louis worked out something. And so this will cue the parade of Rana for Jack Campbell. And before you go there, because I can see you coming from a mile away, I, I talk to Oiler fans all day, every day, and it's always six degrees of get rid of our crappy contract. That's all Oiler fans think about. Well, why can't Holland do that? Well, here's why. Jacob Rana is making $5.25 million right now. That's a lot of coin. I think we can agree with that. He does have 2.6 retained by the Red Wings. So then that's what, 2.9, 2.7? Yeah, so it eases the blow a little bit. Okay, so 2.7 million. Good for you for picking that up in real time, mind you. So that's 2.7 million. You'd have to send Warren Fogle to make it even. I guess they could retain some too in St. Louis, right? I mean, if they if they retain some too, then but why are we talking about it? They've got two goals this year. Hmm. I don't know, man. I would not do it. I'd bring Holloway back and find a way to make that work. Even if you're just showcasing Holloway for a trade at the deadline, I'm not saying he's the be-all and end-all. I'm just saying, play the guy. Just a little bit. Just play him. See if see what he is. Because I don't know if he's going to score goals. I don't know that. And I know that he had some difficulty gaining the confidence of Jay Woodcroft. But Woodcroft stopped playing the kids and... We'll never know why, but we will find out when he gets to his next job if he plays the kids again, because he did in his first year. He did in his first year. Boris Kuchuk is interesting, too. I don't think the Oilers will make a claim on him. I remember when the Samarikov for Kostin trade happened. There were a lot of smart people saying, okay, man, you cannot give up on these young defensemen. But I felt like they had a lot of depth there. So that was one area they probably could. Kostin ended up being worth the Samarukov asset heading out. Now Samarukov is on waivers. I don't think the Otis would pick him up. We'll see. Okay, let's run down the show again. Not like put it down, but run down what's coming up on the show. Maybe I should put it that way. I mean, Declan, you know, I see him in the hallway running down our show, but I don't like to do it personally. Bill Schmid will join us on the way next. With the 97.3, the game, we'll talk about the Packers. Rachel Dory at 1240. We're going to ask some Oilers questions, a little bit about Ethan Bear and some other items, including some vicious hits on the weekend, some getting suspensions or at least hearings, and others, you know, maybe maybe not a penalty at all. We'll have NHL rumors, Jason Greger. And are you ready with Mama MMA? Oh, always ready. Yeah. Very Are we going to hear the ABBA song? Because it's not worth it if we don't have the ABBA song. We will be hearing the ABBA song. I love song. you, but the ABBA song is key to that segment. <laughs> It'll be there. Do you understand me? Yeah, well, okay. now more than ever. Okay, appreciate it. I don't, I'm don't. i not going to pull rank on you or anything, but I'm leaving if you don't play that damn song. All right, we're talking NFL next. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440.
It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. I just like the song. I just wanted it to play the whole time. If I could play guitar like that, I'd be, well, I don't know if I'd be rich, but I'd be doing that. You wouldn't be doing this. <laughs> Probably not. The Lowdown driven by Wolf GMC Buick. Here in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. Ask for details. Plus get 4000 in Christmas cash. We've got a very busy show today. Loving our guest. Bill Schmid joins us from 97.3 The Game to talk a little bit about the Packers. They started slow. Big win against the Chiefs. Giants tonight. Are they a playoff team? Like, are they like are they legit or do they if you think they make it, do they do they spend any time in the postseason? Good to be with you, boys. Uh, it's funny you ask because you're you're probably dialing up the wrong individual off the Packers radio network because I <laughs> predicted them to go six and a half wins. Uh, in a pre-Las Vegas over-under total investment on the show, I took the under a six and a half. So I was one of the more pessimistic uh, Packers supporters uh, and watchers here, guys. Uh, so the six and six is, is quite surprising to me. But to answer the question, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't think there's many teams that want to see Green Bay right now. And if you continue this run for the next five weeks where they'll play two fringe playoff teams uh, and and kind of the, the depths of the league here with the Giants, Panthers, and Bears. You look at the Vikings and Bucks, you tell me if they're playoff teams. Right now the Packers are battling out for one of the spots with those guys. That's their five remaining games. I struggle to see them going two and three and missing out. I think they're in, and if they're in with winning – I mean, at that point, say they go four and one, fellas, that's been a team that's won seven of eight. Nobody's really signing up to host that team in the postseason. I think they can absolutely go in and spoil someone's January if their quarterback is playing the way Jordan Love has the last couple of weeks. The Packers are known for a lot of things, one of which is a patience with, with quarterbacks. I mean, I know that I think they – I can't remember how they acquired Lynn Dickey, but it's been a while since they didn't develop their own their own quarterback – uh, Jordan Love has come alive the last few games. Is he real? Is this is this what we're going to see for the next many years? Sure hope so, right? <laughs> it changes up your entire fortunes uh, as an organization if this is the way uh, that you transition. Uh, I can't fully remember the transition because I wasn't alive when Brett Favre took over for Don Mikowski, and I would have loved to have been doing radio when you trade a first-round pick for a former second-round pick who didn't play the year before. That would have been fantastic content to rip through, and the phone lines would have been hot 30-some years ago at that one. But that was a vision pick. The Packers make a vision pick when Aaron Rodgers, who could have been the number one overall pick, slides into your lap, and you got an aging Brett Favre who, at the time, had taken you on some pretty solid playoff runs but also ended some playoff runs, right? throwing six picks in a divisional round game at St. Louis when you had a chance to, to be quite dangerous. Throwing up, we talk about it here in town of the 4th and 26, uh, where the Eagles pick it up and end up tying the game. Packers get the ball back, and Favre throws a disgusting interception in overtime. And ultimately, they lose in Philadelphia in the divisional round in 3 They were a team that was poised and close a number of different times. Ted Thompson uh, had the goal to take the – investment on Rodgers was one of his first picks as general manager. Didn't have to do that. Did with that foresight. Now, he couldn't have anticipated he becomes a four-time MVP 
all that to say when Brian Gutekunst in 2021 coming or 2020, I should say, coming off of an NFC title game appearance, which was pretty staggering, right? Year one of a coach, Aaron Rodgers had been good, not great the last couple of years. They go and take Love, who, I mean, some believed could have been potentially the most athletic, uh, talented quarterback in the draft, but some other ones, guys, had him in the third round, right? That was a major swing that the Packers took, and we have seen the talent that many in that draft process saw really emerge itself with love. The, the thing is that makes him a dude is if his footwork is as good and consistent as it's been here lately. If he is delivering the ball in time and in rhythm like he has the last month and a half, the Packers are going to have their next dude uh, at the position, which is a scary thing for the NFC North. People in Chicago despise it because my entire lifetime, fellas, they've been running through quarterbacks worse than people looking for a good suit at <laughs> Salvation Army. Uh, you're, you're running through options there. The Packers do seem like they have a guy right now who's talented and poised enough to uh, to run the position and run the franchise for a while. The, the Packers' schedule, I mean, looks, it's, it's pretty good. I mean, they, they, you know, they have some, some weak sisters here they're going to be playing in the next little while, so that's, that's an advantage. But how frustrating is it for Packers fans to see what Minnesota did yesterday in winning by such a ridiculous score? Uh, people love to, to be frustrated with the Vikings any uh, any chance they get uh, here in in Wisconsin. But uh, more than anything, there, there's a uh, there, there's a little bit of a horseshoe that many people believe is uh, implanted in, in the Minnesota Vikings right now, and and Packer fans are kind of just waiting for their next chance. Adam, they did they got probably uh, Love's worst performance of 2023 and really since the Vikings came in here and put it on the Packers 24 10 wasn't nearly as close as that and Kirk Cousins pops his Achilles in the third quarter and they have a backup quarterback fumble the ball inside their own 20 yard line and give up no points like that was that was a low point that the Packers hadn't seen in quite some time so Packer fans are excited to get Josh Dobbs Nick Mullins Jaron Hall, the skeletal remains of Gus Farratt, if that's who they end up throwing out there at quarterback on New Year's Eve. But Packer fans are excited to, to get themselves a look back at the Vikings and uh, to feast on this schedule because this was the part of the 17 games that you anticipated the Packers could be getting uh, a little bit fat. They went through the hard part of their schedule and got wins, something you wouldn't have anticipated preseason. And it's not quite the AFC, but there's a lot of 7-6, seven, 6-6, six, six and 7-6 six and seven, six teams. You want to be a 7-6 seven, six team, the Packers can get there tonight. Big time. It changes a lot as long as you come in here and continue to validate what they've done the last couple of weeks, showing that ascent for Jordan Love to, to be in. I mean, right now, guys, fantasy-wise, he's a top-ten quarterback. I know that only does so much. Uh, in terms of on-the-field production. But it outlines what they're getting from uh, their first-year starter. He's been very productive. And in their three wins here, he's been the driving force. He's going to have to tonight if they're going to leave the Meadowlands with a win, which is going to be a little bit harder fought. Don't get the name and the tailgating videos with his family twisted. Tommy DeVito's been productive for the Giants, so the Packers are going to have to score some points here tonight to uh, oust the Giants in their home stadium. So Matt LaFleur, is he like, I mean, it's, it's been, it's a good year and you know, the, the Packers are not like, they're not, they're not the, the Steelers, but they, they have a tendency to have eras of, of coaches. Uh, what's his situation right now? Good? Must be. 
you would think, uh, and it's much better the last three weeks, he was as flustered and angry at any kind of uh, subject, uh, any word that you want to throw in there for, for what he seemed like, how ornery he maybe was uh, at the three and six, the two and five mark. And there were some people questioning his decision to keep the defensive coordinator, which, again, they're top 10 in scoring defense, so proves out to be quite good. Uh, it's, it's a transition. Everybody knew that. However, in the midst of it, it gets more difficult to feel. Matt LaFleur is trying to prove a, a lot. He's been extremely successful wins and losses-wise here in Green Bay in the regular season. However, uh, the postseason is where you'll be judged here. Uh, and for the Packers, under LaFleur, it's, it's been 500. They've gotten to the NFC title game, haven't been able to win the biggest game yet or get there for that matter. So uh, there's still many people that are hesitant on Matt LaFleur, but uh, the, the tenor around his name is a lot better here in December as he's 16-0 and as the Packers coach. Now they feasted on some bad teams in the month of December. As you mentioned, their schedule uh, lends itself to maybe be in the case again here in 2023, but he's still got plenty to prove. Don't get that twisted here in Green Bay. How, and I ask this only because as an Eagles fan, this is something I would worry about. How how dangerous is, is it? Like they're a road team, they're favored there's no way they're looking past this game, right? You can't think so, right? It's a great question, though, and it's one that we've been wrestling with all week long. They're, they've gone from, guys, and, and tell me if you can remember a lot of teams that do this, going from a home, uh, it opened at 6.5, I think maybe it closed at some books at 6, 5.5 last week against the Chiefs. They went from a home dog of a touchdown to a road favorite of a <laughs> touchdown uh, in, in one week's time. That's a remarkable flip. Jordan Love said this week uh, they don't take anybody lightly. They don't take anybody for granted. Uh, it, they're too young to necessarily be, uh, I think, looking past teams, but absolutely so. This is one where uh, the, the fan in you says, let's make sure that this is all gas, no break, and we're not looking at a letdown situation like a lot of teams in the NFL this year have had. Yeah, just so you know, we never pay attention to uh, preseason predictions on this show because we suck at them. So don't you worry about what you said about the Packers. We're not telling anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate my secret safe with you boys. There you go. Thanks, Bill. Take it easy, fellas. Thanks for having me. All right, Bill Schmid, 97.3, The Game. What a great, like, set of call letters that is. 97.3, The Game. All hits all the time. And then have, like, some Packer running over a Viking quarterback. That's your promo right there. The Packers, when I was young, they were not terribly interesting. They were they had Lynn Dickey. I remember him. He's the quarterback, and they like they were eight and eight. You know, in a good year, they weren't stellar. The Vikings were very good when I was young, and the Bears were were hit and miss, but they were they were good more often than Green Bay, if I recall. And the Lions were mm, the Lions have been basically matzo balls for most of my life now they're interesting now they're what nine and four they're going to win the division right i think so yes but that being said they just lost pretty handily and pretty decisively to the bears so anything can happen here coming down the stretch but if i have to put my money on it i would say yes they will win the division yeah i think that's probably fair rachel dory is on the way a couple of things we want to get to uh that you have passed along to us at one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty, 
After the San Jose loss, statistically, we need to win two out of three for the remainder of the season. Be sure to get in. Since that time, 10-3 and three, with a two-to-three ratio on 10 wins. We're allowed five losses. We have three. So we have two lost cards in our back pocket. As long as we're putting more cards in, in than taking out, we'll be okay. That's from Beer Man. I, I, I grew up being a baseball fan. So I, like, I, you, you just... The way baseball standings work, I know Wood Guy does them, and they're really brilliant because it it really does give you an idea about how close or how far they are away. But I I lived and died with the Montreal Expos in 1973. There was a pennant race, and they were in it. The Mets ended up winning against Chicago, Pittsburgh, and the Expos, who were an expansion team. But Gene Mock got them into the playoff race, and I think they finished four games out. They were 79 and 83, and I think the Mets finished like 83 and 79. I think that's right. And the Mets ended up going to the World Series, I think, with Willie Mays as center fielder at, like, 40 years old. But they had the great pitching staff. Um, Anyway, long story short, this is not the time of year you really have to worry about that. The Oilers are now in that window where, okay, they could be the same place they are a month from now and you still wouldn't panic. Now, what you want, though, is for them to keep on rolling. It's like... um, What's the Stone song that says, just keeps re- repeating, keep on rolling? Is that Tumbling Dice? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's They need to be the Tumbling Dice and keep on rolling. I don't know why I didn't know that off by heart, but I didn't. Coco LaBoy. Oh, my God. I love Coco LaBoy. Jose Coco LaBoy was the third baseman for the Montreal Expos their first three years uh, in existence. Rusty Staub was in right field. They got him from Houston Astros. Uh, center fielder were a lot of guys, uh, Adolfo Phillips, Ty Klein. Left field would be maybe Ron Fairley, but Mac Jones, I believe, was the opening day left fielder. They had Bob Bailey at first base, Gary Sutherland at second base, Bobby Wine often played shortstop, LaBoy was uh, the third baseman, and uh, the catcher was either John Bateman or John Boccabella. And catching quickly became... A strength for the Expos because they kept drafting really good catchers. Terry Humphrey uh, and then Barry Foote, who won the National League Rookie of the Year award. And then, of course, Gary Carter, who won the position for a decade. He was brilliant. Maybe the best Expo ever. Okay. Well, I haven't talked about the Expos recently, so that was nice. Rachel Dory on the way. We're going to get dig down here on some really interesting things around the orders and around the league. That's next. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Brought to you by Wolf GMC. Hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. Ask for details. Let's get 4000 in Christmas cash. I would always prefer, for playing Madonna, uh, Get Into the Groove, which I really like, A Holiday or Lucky Star. But that was a nice song. It was a great pop hit back in the day. Joined now by Rachel Dory from Staff and Graph Podcast. And we're talking a little bit. First, I want to ask you about... Uh, I know you tweeted out a little bit about uh, the bad uh, takes that uh, some media were having in regard to Toronto as a city. I don't mind hammering Toronto. There are some things you can do about it, like the airport, uh, and they have another airport in Buttonville that they should open up. But uh, by any stretch, Toronto's a beautiful city. What would, I know you had some reaction to it. What was the general feeling around Torontonians, if that's the Torontoites, about what was being said in American media about uh, Otani not coming to Toronto? Honestly, it's uneducated nonsense. Like, I've lived, I'm one of the few lucky people that's 
been able to live in New York City and in Toronto. So I feel like I'm maybe a little bit more qualified to talk about it than, let's say, somebody like John Heyman, who maybe has spent a collective four days in the city of Toronto. Like, yes, Toronto has our, the airport, which isn't even in Toronto. It's in Mississauga. is horrendous. Um, our national airline is awful. But when you look at it, when artists play world tours, they'll skip Vancouver, they'll skip Montreal, they'll skip Edmonton, they'll skip Calgary, but they'll never skip Toronto. And Toronto, whether people want to admit it or not, is a world-class city. It's also like the fourth biggest city in North America. So I don't know what he's talking about. I don't even think he knows what he's talking about. And I think at the end of the day, I look at it and I go, just say you didn't want to cover a team outside of the United States. Like, just say you don't want to do that. They were, these same people were upset when the Raptors won the championship. They don't want to have to come north of the border because, frankly, they're lazy. And so I, I look at it, and it was it was an opportunity for a guy to sit on a high horse and, and say it was good for the game when the reality of the situation is having a guy play in a different country um, in Canada gives the opportunity for the sport of baseball to grow outside of the United States. Um, and now that that opportunity is missed. So I, I disagree. I don't think it's always good if the Dodgers and the Yankees are the best teams in the league. I think that parody to some extent is good. No, I agree. I, I, as a fan of the Expos uh, and certainly of smaller market teams like Kansas City or Pittsburgh, I hate it because you can just outbid with money and that doesn't make you smarter. It just makes you richer. And um, I, I know it's good for TV ratings, but TV ratings are, are they shouldn't be God. And I, I like, I, I'm sorry, but I like the NHL salary cap better because I think you can be, and the NFL has it made because like Green Bay can contend, but Major League Baseball, it, it's just idle rich playing and idle rich owners. And it's, I, I love baseball. I don't like baseball, the business though. Yeah. And I, I think that the whole, there's way too many media members that are sitting atop their high horses about the city of Toronto and reporting and media in general and I I generally I'm, I'm I'm pretty disgusted by some of the stuff that I'm reading it's pretty embarrassing that like these people are accredited writers and this is how they're conducting themselves you look at it and it's just like my god like some of this stuff is just ridiculous like maybe spend a month or two in Toronto and I mean, as somebody who's lived in both cities, I'm only really worried about getting shot in one of them, and I can tell you that it's not Toronto. <laughs> okay, let's talk. Let's talk hockey. Rachel Dory, our guest from Staff and Graph podcast. Calvin Pickard played very well in the two games he played previously. He played very well last night against New Jersey or yesterday afternoon. Does that give? I mean, I know he's not a long-term solution, but does that give them a little? more leeway in in possibly recalling Jack Campbell, knowing that at least, you know, right now, Pickard's game is strong enough that if you have to throw him in there to get some rest for Stuart Kinner, you can do it. Yeah, I think that's bought them leeway. I think bringing up Campbell right now is a mistake. He needs to find his groove as a starter, and that's not done in two or three weeks. That's probably a month or probably after Christmas is what you're looking at. Um, and we've seen the yo-yoing of prospects. It's the same thing with goaltenders, regardless of how old they are. That's um, It's not good for them to find their um, groove and then kind of be up and down. And Calvin Pickard kind of knows his role. He's playing well. He is the only Edmonton Oilers goaltender with an above 900 save percentage this season. So he certainly has earned spot duty in the three games that he's played. And 
I think if you can get Campbell in a groove in the AHL where he's starting and you keep Skinner up and he's starting, then you kind of got goalies that are hopefully rolling. I mean, Stuart Skinner's got a 931 in his last six starts. It's, that's good stuff, um, but you need to keep that going. And so, yeah, I think Calvin Pickard's performances have kind of bought the Oilers a little bit of time. I still don't think that the Colts ending is nearly good enough to be a contender, but at least he's given them a bit of a reprieve should they need to give Stuart Skinner a break. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about a former Oiler in Ethan Bear. Uh, who had injury issues, so Vancouver moved on, and they were hoping to get him back. Looks like they're out. Washington Capitals are a team that that needs defensemen, needs players. It looks like he might be headed there, at least the Capitals are the favorites right now. What are they getting in Ethan Barron, and how good is it like for if, for them to get him or Toronto? How much could he add to a team? I think I look at the Washington Capitals defense pairings, uh, I would handicap that Ethan Bear is the third best defenseman on that team, uh, should he sign. Like, I think Rasmus Sandin and John Carlson are probably clearly ahead of him. But then after that, you've got, like, Trevor Van Reen's got Joel Edmondson, Nick Jensen. Like, these are guys that you are you do not want in your top four. Um, and so when I look at it, you're getting a guy who can move the puck, He's got he's really good in transition both offensively and defensively. He's had a horrible injury luck. Um, but when he's in the lineup, he's proven like, yeah, he he's he can move the puck, he can skate well, he's very mobile, and he doesn't make like you don't notice him, which is exactly what you want on a in a four or five defenseman. And so when I look at Ethan Bear, I'm, I kind of look at it and say, okay, he's Definitely better than 95% of the bottom pairing defensemen in the NHL. And he's probably better than quite a few number four defensemen in the NHL as well. And so I think he can help a team that really needs help on the back end. Um, Obviously, you brought up Toronto. They could definitely use that. But I think with Washington here, they're willing to go term. And when you're kind of coming off the injury that Ethan Bear is coming off of, and yes, you have that insurance policy, um, you want to lock in on term. And, And term is going to be important because of the injuries. And so I think Ethan Bear is very smart and we can't fault him for chasing the extra years as opposed to the opportunity. I think a lot of people, given the injury history and and the position Ethan Bear is in, would do the same thing. So I I know you commented several times on this online, but I want, for me, it's very interesting and I enjoyed your take in regard to, you know, we can pick Nick Cousins, we can take Eric Branson. That was one thing that happened, but there was, there were previous events with Ottawa and even in Edmonton with Evander Kane. Seems like there's some dangerous hits. They're all being kind of handled differently. The Cousins one is interesting to me because I, I think like as a fan of hockey, I like I, I know Good Branson's going to get suspended, but I also understand why he did it. Yeah, I mean, you look at it. The three incidents I looked at were Evander Kane on Jonas Brodeen, Eric Robinson on Justin Barron, and then obviously Nick Cousins on um, Eric Good Branson. And if I were to order those in order of severity, and a bad hit should be suspended. Nick Cousins at the top, Evander Kane second, and Eric uh, Robinson third. I thought that the Eric Robinson one was more a function of the defender turning his back, and it is going to end up being the most severely punished of the three hits, which makes absolutely no sense to me. Um, 
I, I see this because I coach minor hockey. They're teaching kids to turn. Um, I think it's extremely dangerous. Um, you've seen it a couple times with Luke Hughes this year. That's what they're teaching defensemen to do. And frankly, I think they're, the onus needs to be a little bit on the player receiving the hit. Like, if you turn your back right at the last second, we are not going to protect you. Whereas with Evander, yes, there was a little bit of a turn into it, but he, Evander Kane had more than enough time to change his path and didn't. And then you look at the Nick Cousins, Erica Branson one, where he's three strides into the numbers, hands directly between the two fours. And then the worst part about all of it is Cousins turtles not once but twice. And now Erica Branson is going to get suspended because this guy doesn't want to answer for an absolutely brutal hit. And it could have been eliminated had they just kept the five that they had originally assessed him because that is what it should have been. It should have been a five. And if we if we want hits like that out of the game, we need to be consistent with it. And I look at – I don't know if you saw the Cowboys-Eagles game last night. Yes. Outside, but there was a play where A.J. Brown uh, made a catch and it was ruled complete. And immediately, first replay, you knew they got the call wrong. So what happened? New York replay center called down and said, you got the call wrong. And by the time they got back to the line of scrimmage, they had already been told. So no time was taken off. There was nothing. I think there needs to be a mechanism in the NHL for hits like this, where you've got Chris King or Stephen Walkham, whoever in the war room, and they have the ability to call down to the penalty box and say, that's a five. And, and then off we go. I agree with you, and I do think that those kinds of hits do change the game, and when you don't call them, it really changes the game because now you've fueled one side that's very angry, and we know what happens when hockey players get angry, that the issue doesn't end or get better. Uh, no, it gets significantly worse uh, when you when you think about it. Like I think what we saw, Erica Branson was obviously the third of the three hits there, right? I think what we saw there was Erica Branson – watches a ton of hockey and a lot of players in the NHL do. Erica Branson saw what happened this weekend. He saw Kyle Pozo speak up. Um, and I think he said, well, if you're not going to call it, I'm taking matters into my own hands. And for Nick Cousins, this purported tough guy to all of a sudden be turtling, uh, boy, oh boy, does that label go out the window pretty quickly. Um, as far as I'm concerned, Florida has quite a few rats on their team. Um, they've got a couple really classy players like Barkov and Ekblad, but yeah. my goodness, you think even going back to last year when they had Radko Gudis, Sam Bennett, Matthew Kachuk, now you got Nick Cousins, Ryan Lomberg running around. Like These guys, if you are going to not call it and the league clearly wants the physicality in the game, then you have to be okay with players taking matters into their own hands. And the onus should be on the player to answer for it. And I, I didn't like the hit from Nick Cousins. I didn't like the response. I thought Eric Branson probably could have dialed it back a bit, but I also, that's a situation where he could have been seriously injured and the officials were like, eh, we'll let it slide. And so you got to pick your poison, right? You want someone to get paralyzed or do you yeah. want to call penalties? That's exactly the way to put it. Uh, Rachel Dory, our guest staff and graph podcast. Final question. I wanted to ask you about Chris Knobloch. He's, the, the penalty kill is better under him. The defensemen are, are making more plays. They're, they seem to be more confident making plays. And, and recently, Leon Dreisaitl and Darnell Nurse, the Dreisaitl line and the Nurse pairing, seem to be taking more defensive zone face-offs than under Woodcroft. And so 
I have two questions. Number one, is that on the face of it a good idea? Leon is not necessarily known as a shutdown kind of center, but he can win faceoffs. And then the other side of it, how much sample do you need, like the 12 games or whatever it is under Knobloch, how much sample do you need to really to be able to call that more than just a curio and become a trend? I would not have Leon Dreisaitl anywhere near a defensive zone faceoff. Um, I think you have other guys like Ryan Nugent Hawkins and Zach Hyman have been utterly fantastic for the Oilers this year um, and underrated defensively significantly. And so I think those are maybe guys you should be relying on. But there are two players that I probably wouldn't have anywhere near a defensive zone faceoff, and they're Evander Kane and Leon Dreisaitl. So I'm not really sure I, I agree with that deployment. They are having some level of success, and 12 games is a good enough sample size for it, um, especially in a season where they've played nearly 30. That's almost half their game. Um, that's a situation where you can now say, like, this is a trend if it continues, and it looks like it's going to continue. Um, I'm not sure that that's the best use of Leon Dreisaitl. Um, In fact, I'm, I'm sure that it isn't. Um, and I think there are other players that you need to be able to lean on. Ryan McLeod and Dylan Holloway's numbers have, have looked really good this year. And defensively, um, they've really kind of pulled up their socks. And so I think you're looking at developing kind of who else is going to contribute as Edmonton kind of tries to go on this run. And, and those are two players who can really contribute on the defensive side of the puck and maybe using them in the defensive zone as opposed to deploying Leon Dreisaitl might be a better idea. How long do you stay with Connor Brown, who is clearly struggling, at least offensively, and the numbers show that he's, you know, while he's on the ice, they're they're bleeding at five on five. They're playing him on the second line, and he's not contributing. He's got to go up with McDavid, or that's kind of it. Because as far as I'm concerned, you've now soaked that bonus for next year. You have to make it work. There is no um, reprieve. There is no exception. You can't allow that level of dead cap and just have this guy in the press box. He needs to go up. He needs to play with McDavid and Hyman. And you basically have to figure out a way to make that line work. McDavid is red hot. Zach Hyman is one of the best players in the league when it comes to driving play, creating scoring opportunities. If you were going to get anything out of Connor Brown, he probably needs to be on the top line. Thanks so much for this. Appreciate it. Talk to you next Monday, Rachel. Talk to you next week, Rob. All right. Rachel Dory, Staff and Graph Podcast. Interesting stuff. Okay, we're late. We have a very busy hour number two, including Jason Greger. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's time for an update. This is a Sports 1440 update. And for your sports 1440 update light night in the NHL just four games and it all gets going with the Coyotes and Sabres and the Maple Leafs and Islanders puck drop for both of those games 5 p.m. Elliot Friedman has reported that J- Jacob Vrana is not on waivers as was previously reported by Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic. The Detroit Red Wings have placed forwards Dylan Larkin, T- JT Comfer and Clem Costin on the injured reserve Larkin placed on the IR retroactive to December 9th. Big night in the NBA with 13 games in action, including the Toronto Raptors in New York to take on the Knicks. Tip-off for that one, 5.30 p.m. Shea Gilgis-Alexander of the Oklahoma City Thunder has won the Northern Star Award as Canada's Athlete of the Year. 
He beat out Connor McDavid, golfer and Canadian Open champion Nick Taylor, hammer thrower Cameron Rogers, and 17-year-old swimmer Summer McIntosh, who set a world record in the 400 individual medley this year. NFL news is Los Angeles Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert is not expected to play next Thursday against the Las Vegas Raiders due to a fractured right index finger. And two games in the NFL tonight to wrap up the week. It's Monday Night Football where we'll see the Titans in Miami against the Dolphins and the Packers on the road against the Giants. Kickoff for both of those games at 6.15 and you can join Connor Halley at the Jensen Lakes Canadian